Welcome to the Tweet Trends Podcast. Hey, Yvette, what's trending today? Hey, I'm Yvette. Hey, girl. And you are tuned into Tweet Trends. It's the quickest way to find out what's trending today. Today, let's talk about if it pays to get a college education. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Tweet Trends. It's the day after Labor Day. We all know what that means. The end of summer. Sad faces on the children around because they know that means that the last of the last are heading back to school now. So from little ones all the way up through college, just about everybody is back in school. So I want to dedicate this week to education and all things about school. This episode in particular, I want to talk about colleges and if it pays to even go. Now, we know that earning a college degree is supposed to put you in a better position. And that's not always the case. Some people end up in a almost like a lateral move, I'd say. You know, you started in a place, you got a degree, you're earning more money because of the degree that you have. However, you're spending more money to pay back your college loans. So before I dive into this conversation, I'm bringing my partner in crime into this discussion. Hey, Wynn. Hey, Beth. I want to talk about the college loan situation. Yes, ma'am. Now, this episode was actually supposed to be a couple of weeks back. Actually, the day that they announced the fact that there was this new um, $10,000 or $20,000 relief for people who had... um, loans out with, you know, certain restrictions and requirements and whatnot. Um, but I fell down a rabbit hole. <laughs> can you can you believe that? I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. That I always fall down rabbit holes. I chase squirrels. Chase squirrels. I do, yeah. I do all of the things. Yeah, but um, with that, I... I got caught up with a a lot of the discussion because I couldn't understand why people felt the way that they did. So I started doing a bunch of reading and whatnot. And so that's what today's episode is going to be. We're going to talk about what we've seen out there, what people are saying about the fact that they want to give some relief. Um, I want to talk about the relief itself. But let's start off with college students, period. College students, yes. These are young children. They just finished high school. Mm -hmm. They've been living with their moms and dads, the majority of them. So they haven't had a whole lot of life experiences. When you go to college, I don't know about your situation when you went, but when I went, they're on a regular basis. There was always a credit card company <laughs> on campus. 
They had the cutest t-shirts <laughs> and water bottles and towels and whatever you can think of. Whatever college students really don't need, but for some reason they just can't stay away from those things. Yes. They had those things. And I know I got lots of the cards. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> I got a lot of those t-shirts, but I cannot say, I know I didn't read the fine print on any of them, and I can't say that any of my friends did either. And in a lot of cases, those cards were high interest cards. They were, uh, and it was it was a tactic that was starting to come into place because, again, they gave you reasons to give you, you know, those little gifts. That didn't cost them much of anything. And they said, oh, we just want to check your credit score to see if you qualify. Hey, you're in luck. You qualify. You qualify for this amount or that amount. And next thing you know, to your point, and I was in that same position, you know, I had one, two, three cards that I wasn't really needing and uh, probably shouldn't have had. But I qualify for them and I'll have them, quote unquote, just in case. Well, you know, so you say the quote unquote, just in case. I knew for a fact that mine had to be for emergencies only because I felt like if my parents knew that I had these things, that it was going to be, as my mom would say, a time in the land. <laughs> so I knew that I, if I used them, I needed to pay them off immediately. But that's not to say that I didn't have a lot of friends that were only paying the minimum payment and they were looking at me like, why would you pay more than $10 for your credit card? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I spent more than $10. And they're like, well, you know, you only have to pay 10 Yeah, but I spent 100 so <laughs> I need to pay 100 Right. So well, that, that sort of financial literacy and understanding and understanding the interest rates, how interest rates accrue, um, that that just doesn't happen in a lot of cases where people have a full understanding to realize that hey, if I want to borrow a hundred, I really only want to pay back a hundred. I don't really want to pay back a hundred and twenty, you know, a hundred and fifty. But oftentimes, again, that that lesson is learned the hard way. Well, and you know, in college we had what they called Crab Lab. It was freshman seminar, and um, <laughs> they really should have had that as a part of freshman seminar. They should have made us do some math in freshman seminar and learn about credit cards because I don't know that parents were running around telling their kids about it. I think they didn't want to say because they didn't want us to have it. Well, I, I'd actually do you one better. I think that it probably should be in the high school curriculum um, because in most cases, high school is actually required, whereas college isn't. And so going back to what you're initially talking about, about whether or not you should even go to college, the person who doesn't go to college still needs to have that financial understanding that they should get out of high school of how to manage cards, how to manage debt. So I, I understand that Crab Lab would have been a good place, but for those people that never make it to a college campus, they need that info as well. Hmm. Point well taken. Okay, so moving on from the type of debt that college students get into with credit cards and poor use, poor understanding, the next thing would be the loans. And 
so I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, you know, just like how they push these applications in front of them about getting these credit cards, you get these applications, these FAFSA forms, and sitting here looking at you, I'm like, I don't even remember what FAFSA stood for. <laughs> and then I look it up and FAFSA stands for Free Application for Federal Student Aid. That right there in itself is a setup. Why do you have to put in there that it's free? Can it not just be application for federal student aid, AFSA? Why do you have to throw free in there? Free to me is one of those terms that catches people's attention because it's free. Everybody loves free. Free, 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 free. Everybody loves it. So you put that on a form for college students to fill out? Are they looking at the small print? I doubt it. I know they're not. I didn't. You didn't. No, I Average didn't. people didn't. Uh, very few people, uh, specifically in that situation, uh, does. And I think uh, in most cases, it's uh, a scenario where, again, some people just doesn't even apply for it because they win scholarship amounts that cover most, if not everything, and they never are in this situation. Uh, but that's just not the large population of people. And so, uh, again, based on where we are in this country's history, many people did not have a plan to save money to send kids to school. So you either uh, went and served in the armed forces and, and earned money that way through GI Bill. You, you did other uh, things, Peace Corps, uh, just a bunch of other different type programs where you did some things and then came to school maybe later and uh, uh, had it paid for with some assistance. Well, speaking of assistance, so the Biden-Harris administration, they announced a couple of things at the end of August. One being that the pause that they put on the repayment of student loans when COVID hit, that's soon going to expire. The end of December that's going away. And then, so what they're saying is that come January, 2023, you need to go ahead and plan on making some payments. However, so August, September, October, November, December, that's four months notice. Now, granted, I know some people would probably say, well, because they told you you didn't have to pay, didn't mean that you shouldn't still put money aside because you know it was going to come back at some point, right? Uh, that's, that's I, I think, an idealistic situation. Uh, but I think with the unknowns that we've seen with the, you know, once-in-a-generation pandemic, um, the ideal situations have kind of uh, been uh, taken, uh, taken out of the equation. True. And then, you know, inflation, that kind of... Knocked everyone on their butts. Right. Supply chain issues due to COVID, inflation due to uh, needing to, to get products and products been hard to get. Uh, all those things uh, kind of created a perfect storm for this scenario. Right. So the money that you would have been putting towards your student loans probably went to putting gas in your car, putting food on your table, doing a whole bunch of other things that you really hadn't planned on spending it on. And it's not like you're being frivolous. Now, there are probably some people out there that they went and made it rain in the club or something because (laughs) they had that extra money. But 
I don't think that's the rule. I think those people would be the exception to the rule. I agree. So with this situation, the the hold going away, that's actually where this whole $10,000, $20,000 debt cancellation came from. Because knowing that people weren't actually banking that money that they had that they would have been spending for their student loans they very well may need a little bit of assistance so from what i understand um if you make $125,000 or less that's one of the requirements then you should possibly be eligible for a $10,000 decrease in your student loans and then if you had a Pell Grant an extra 10,000 so you would get a a total of 20,000 to go to cut your student loans and a lot of the conversations around that we'll talk about that a little later but (laughs) some of the conversations are classic they're crazy they are out of this world and it's troubling because I guess I look at it from the standpoint of um, like we were talking about how long has it been? Like when did the 529 pro plans come out? Right. Yeah. And, so 529 wasn't a thing when I was coming up. Right. Same here. So unless your parents just knew to get a Squirrels Club account, like how they used to have for Christmas time and put money away, put it away so that you would be able to go to college. There was nothing formally put together for families to do that. And so definitely for people our age and maybe even a little bit younger, if they still have student loans that are outstanding, one, that's tragic all in itself. (laughs) But two, depending on what it was, what their dream job was, maybe they had to do it. I agree. Well, and and I think there's a lot of um, misrepresented information. Um, If you go to this school or that school and get this degree or that, that, you know, your probability for getting certain jobs are higher. And uh, unfortunately, I've, I've known too many people who had degrees at renowned institutions, um, they had good grades and whatnot, and when they went to apply for these jobs, they were either full or they, they didn't qualify, or they just weren't selected. And so now you have, you, you've done all the things that you thought were the right things to do to to be in a place to have a, a decent earning income and, and a, a nice quality of life, you know, to pr- pursue the happiness. And um, it didn't materialize. And so they, they had to find some way. I've known people who I work with when I worked at Subway that had degrees and could not find good work. Well, and, you know, I think another point to add to that is that when you are picking your schools, when you're you have like from when you were two years old, you wanted to go to Harvard and but you know you don't have to go to Harvard or Yale to be a teacher. <laughs> you know it it's kind of like the money that you're going to spend to go to a school like that if the whatever it is that you want to do isn't going to make that kind of money 
then you need to go ahead and scale down your sites. And because honestly, as an educator, let me just say this. There's nothing any school can teach you that's going to prepare you for what you're going to be faced <laughs> with when you get in the classroom. So don't fool yourself into thinking you have to go to some big name school to get a degree to teach somebody something. Right. I think people didn't really fully do an assessment of what's, the, what's going to be their return on investment. So like you said, you go to said school with this tuition, uh, what type of job do you expect to get and what's going to be the salary range for that job and how long is it going to take you to pay back, you know, that, that student loan that you, uh, that you have. And that's just crunching numbers and throwing it out there, but that's still a ballpark because as you said, there, you know, there's times where we're, you know, the economy's good and there are times we're in a recession. There's times when uh, things work out and there's times when you fall on hard times and uh, being able to pivot or have some latitude um, is it, helpful. And, it, and it's not in our country right now, but there are developed countries uh, like ours who they pay little to nothing for higher education. Right. And so there, there are some other things that play in our country. Mm, yeah, <laughs> we know that all too well. <laughs> Moving right along to the shenanigans. So the discussions that have been going on around this $10,000 decrease in student loan uh, debt (sighs) (laughs) is enough to make your head spin. So I'm going to start by saying this. I have a friend, and I'm not going to give too too much information because I didn't run it by them to share this but just in general conversation had a conversation with a friend of mine they have student loan debt because the position that they were going for was one that required a PhD well this person makes over the $125,000 so this doesn't even apply to them to be able to get this $10,000 knocked off um, because the position that they were going for is one that puts them in... Now, when I say over 125, slightly over it. It's like 127, (laughs) but it's more than 125. So they don't even qualify for that. So they're trying to work on something completely different. But even in that, this person does not feel bad or upset or slighted in the least that there's assistance out there for other people, you know? And that's kind of how I feel. Like, Right now, I don't have a nickel in this dime. I've paid back my student loans, uh, the portion that I needed to, because I went into education and I taught at a Title I school for the required amount of years, and I paid my student loans regularly for the required amount of years. I was able to get the slate wiped clean after a certain number of years. And so I'm good with it. Right. I, uh... I feel the same way that, hey, I don't qualify for it. I don't have a need for it. Um, I said I don't qualify. I don't have any student loan uh, debts. But for the people that this provides assistance to, it's like, hey, good on you. You know, I'm I'm glad it's able to help someone. 
and it doesn't necessarily need to help me in order for it to be a good thing. So it's unfortunate um, that there are some people out there who feel that way. And I had a conversation with a, a co-worker, a guy, I would say it's a friend. Uh, I hadn't talked to him in a while, just how military service goes sometimes. But we had a good conversation about it, and uh, he was he was opposed to it. And I don't think our conversation changed his mind, because that surely wasn't my intent. But it was just to offer him a different perspective on that and some historical elements that went into, you know, just the wealth gap in our country between different, uh, you know, backgrounds of people. And so um, it's really unfortunate that there are some political parties that when you talk about helping people out that make 125000 or less, that they they frown at every opportunity to do so, so that that just seems like there's some some um, misgivings going on there, some some issues with who they're they're really trying to assist. Well, and you know the other part of that too, I guess it depending on what type of job you have, one hundred twenty five thousand dollars could be a lot. It could be, but it also depends on where you are. I mean, if you have a $125,000 job and you live in New York City, well, the cost of living there may reduce the margins that you have for discretionary or non-discretionary spending. So if you make that and you're living in North Dakota, okay, well, you you, you probably own half the state and land. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. But anyway. Ooh, you're wrong for that. <laughs> but the point being is that cost of living in certain areas allow that number to mean more uh, to some than uh, it would in, again, other places. Well, and you know, so I'm glad you brought that point up because I think that is key in this situation why I don't understand how some people are up in arms about this because clearly if you live in like California, New York, places like that, you're probably getting paid a lot more than what somebody is in, I don't want to call any names, but in these smaller (laughs) cities. And therefore, somebody who needs it may not get that opportunity because $125,000 does not go as far in New York as what it would in Mobile, that they may have student loans, but they're not going to get any of that relief. Right. And they could probably use it a lot more. Well, and and the the other thing to this as well that I don't think some people realize is that you you have to apply for it. So nothing is 100%, right? We we don't have 100% voter turnout. We don't have 100% attendance in school. You just don't have 100% participation in anything. So in this case, you have some people who meet all these requirements who, through one reason or another, may never apply for this assistance, right? But that's not what the the people who are against this see. They see 23 million people, $10,000, they automatically throw that high-end number on it and say it's going to increase the national uh, debt, all right, increase the deficit. And that's fine as far as for their argument and for being against it, but they don't have that same problem when there's tax breaks and tax cuts for for millionaires and billionaires and corporations. It, it's a totally different uh, argument for them. 
So it's it's unfortunate. I agree. I agree. And so another thing about this, they're also proposing a rule to create a new income driven repayment plan. And I think that is really where we need to be. They need to have that honestly in place before they tell people to start repaying their loans again, as far as I'm concerned, because that same friend of mine that I was was mentioning earlier, they have a bill, it's over $600, it's six something, that they pay per month for their student loans. That's ridiculous. That's a car payment. That is. Yeah, it is indeed. And then you're still expected to do life. You're expected to live. <laughs> you're expected to eat and have, you know, some people aren't able to to do the things that, you know, they thought that they would have been able to do after they got a degree. Uh, buying a house and, you know, buying a car, living, starting a family. They're not able to do those things because there's this extra bill looming over their heads like okay well this this challenges some people's lives it challenges some people's liberty and it challenges some people's pursuit of happiness and so if it challenges all three of those things or any one of the three things then that that pretty much goes against what the founding fathers put in the constitution so my point by saying that is that that's part of being an American. That's part of being in the United States is to to have the opportunity in this capitalistic system that you can come from meager beginnings, but do these things, get a college degree, get a certain type job and earn your way out of potentially bad situations. And uh, it, it doesn't seem to be that way if you don't uh, dance to certain people's music. All right, that was today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I know this was a long episode, but the two of us, we're both very passionate about topics like this, so we just couldn't help ourselves. There's a lot to say. Absolutely. A lot to be said. A lot for you, the listener, if you or someone you know or love has student loan debt out there, please, ma'am, please, sir, Make sure they go check out like the website ed.gov to find out the information to see when these applications are coming out. When can you go and apply and make sure everybody possible knows about this. Because like what Winston was saying earlier, everybody's not going to apply and they may qualify, but they might not know. They might not know how to go about doing it. And rather than going and figuring it out, they'll just be like, you know what? I'm going to owe anyway. What's 10000 off of 100000 You know, it's still a lot. But <laughs> that's where you come in. That's where you share this episode with them. And you help them by taking them to the financial aid office or wherever and get the ball going. That's your call to action? Yes, that's the call to action. As well as checking me out <laughs> on Instagram or Twitter at Hey Yvette. That's at H-E-Y-E-V-E-T-T-E. Or just look for the hashtag 
tweet trends. All right. Have a good one. The next episode, I have a great interview. Listen out for it, especially if you want to get your kids into college. Now that we know how to kind of navigate around this whole financial portion, (laughs) if we want to get them accepted, you got to be here. Check me out. Thanks for listening.